0: you're listening to the gamesindustry.biz podcast. I'm James Batchelor. I'm joined by US editor Brendan Sinclair. Hello. Hello. And staff writer Hayden Taylor. Hello. How you doing? it. Is this your podcasting debut? Is this the first time we've had you on?
1: This is my podcasting debut, um, except for one I tried making in my bedroom in university, but the less said about that, the better.
0: <laughs> okay, well, we'll move swiftly on from that then. Um <laughs> Rare episode where we actually just have the team on rather than a guest, but we're kind of keen to get more of these sort of things where we can discuss stuff that we talk behind the scenes all the time about the sort of games we're playing, the sort of things that interest us, and there's one title in particular recently that has piqued our interest, certainly mine and Brendan's interest, which is Florence. Florence is a mobile title by Ken Wong, who was the lead designer on Monument Valley, and his new studio, Mountains, um, referred, to, they, they referred to themselves as a craft games studio. And I didn't quite understand what that meant until I played Florence. Um, I, Brendan, what was it about Florence that, that most impressed you or that, most, that you most enjoyed?
2: I The thing that I like about Florence is that it, it tells this very... Human, relatable slice of life kind of story, uh, and it tells it using very simple gameplay mechanics. Like, if if you wanted to get in, this is the sort of game that that like people would would have really tedious discussions about what qualifies something as a game. <laughs> about like it's 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 you know there's, there's a scene very early on where you're brushing your teeth and the gameplay is just you put your finger on the screen on the toothbrush and then you move it back and forth and like that's that is it it's it's sort of like i don't know if if david cage told a good story (laughs) it's 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 like taking that kind of a, a approach of trying to have some sort of gameplay element to things that aren't normally you know Controlled through through player interaction, um, and and yeah, it's it's just it's a a sweet, simple, uh, nice story.
0: Yeah, I mean, what I loved about it was it's it, it's essentially a love story, but it's a love story without a single word of dialogue. Like, I mean, okay, there's there's two very very brief kind of chat bits, but they're not really it's not really a conversation. It's not really. A narrative you wouldn't call it a narrative driven game but it is a story driven game if that makes any sense at all which it doesn't it's not like reams and reams and reams of text but there is a clear distinct story to be told there and what, what, what most impressed me about it and the reason we're kind of I, I was kind of keen to talk about it on the show was for me it signified this is how games could go in terms of appealing to a much broader audience without Without relying on traditional gameplay mechanics, like is it where gameplay mechanics that appeal to a traditional gamer, so the core gamer, but also not becoming essentially interactive movies or interactive books. If you look at other forms of media, there are there are all types of genres like movies and books. They have you know you have romance and comedy and crime and thriller and horror and. Adventure and so forth, and video games. When you look at, particularly like on console on PC, like if you look at video games, typically you kind of just have action, action and sports, and occasionally comedy in the indie space. There's not really like a romance genre per se, and yet there's a massive audience out there for romance stories. That's why the hell, yeah, that's why those cheesy Mills and Boone novels are still going. So this is, this is this was a way of like getting a romance across without making it a subplot of another game, without making it a, a visual novel or a telltale style thing where you're just clicking on dialogue options and not really interacting. I guess that's that's what impressed me the most is like you are as much as you can be in Florence, you are engaged in that story without just reading through reams of text.
1: Hmm. So as As someone who hasn't actually played it yet, um, I'm interested to know what what you two think particularly um, in terms of how it can actually attract this sort of mass audience, because it doesn't have the sort of like addictive appeal of something like, say, Candy Crush or Game of War, which, you know, are obviously like massive. And it is quite a quaint little indie affair. But like you say, it doesn't have like this barrier to entry. It's breaking new ground that is perhaps massively appealing to, you know, these untapped markets. But how do you actually like go from this idea to getting the hooks into this market? You know, and do you think Florence is just the beginning or do you think it will be able to, you know?
0: um... I'd I'd love for this to be the beginning. I think the, the advantage is that Florence is on mobile. And that is the most broad, broadly appealing gaming device available. That's why you know you've got like you know the Candy Crushes, the Clash of Clans, and so forth. Like have you know that that fifty two percent female audience and mostly older women, mostly older men because everyone has a phone, everyone has an you know, has the App Store, everyone is aware of games on their phone and downloads of them as just something to you know kind of pass the time. I kind of it kind of comes down to the the App Store platform holders at this point to kind of really push. Florence to that audience um, and kind of convey what it is whether or not they can do that I don't know but I'd, I'd love this to be the beginning of yeah we see more games like this where the broader non-traditional audience is. oh have you played Florence this is a lovely, lovely little um, love story oh yes I have it's kind of like title x that hasn't come out yet
1: do you think that mobile uh, consumers, or you know, people using the App Store and Google Play, do you think they're sort of ready to accept games that don't work on the sort of traditional free-to-play model? Though, I mean, you saw what happened with Super Mario Run. Admittedly, that was ten pounds, but you know, that was a that was a damn Mario game on your mobile. Like, by all rights, it should have should have been more of a success than it was. And Florence, you know, three pounds. I know it's not a lot, but when there are Literally thousands of free-to-play indie game, um, free-to-play mobile games, some of which are basically just like crack cocaine. The game, um, yeah. You know, how does Florence ever compete with anything like that when it's got a three-pound barrier to entry?
0: That's true. And the danger is you're going to get indies are going to make their own clones of Florence or follow-ups to Florence for free with ads and just release them mm-hmm. that way. But yeah.
2: So I think this is kind of um, the the platform holders. Uh, I would say, are not really part of the solution here. Uh, I I know that there has been some push from Google and Apple about, you know, like, hey, we're going to start promoting some premium games and and trying to get the ecosystem a little less dependent on free-to-play. But I don't see them making much of a difference here just because when people go onto the App Store for a game and start browsing stuff, they're not looking for this just because this is not within the realm of like what people think of when they think of what's on the App Store. The audience for something like this, I think, is uh, a lot more um, maybe niche. Uh, it, it's, it's, I think it's very interesting that Annapurna Interactive is the publisher of this because Annapurna, uh, it's, it's a spinoff basically from the film production company and Aparna. and i think this their entire slate of games right now actually I, I think is this this really fascinating grouping of of uh indie titles that that are appealing to a certain type of of consumer trying to go for you know maybe a more thoughtful audience uh an audience willing to to take a gamble on on a n- non traditional style of game, willing to pay six bucks or however much Florence is in whatever region you are for what is basically a half hour, you know, interactive novel, gamified novel or something. It's it's a very linear experience. You you don't need to play it again. Um, I'm not sure you'll get a whole lot else out of it. From from repeated viewings, but it's uh, it's worth it. And like that, that audience isn't the free to play games audience. It's not necessarily the the App Store audience. It's it's an audience of people sort of like us who are aware of what's going on in games. And then when you have a publisher come out and actually make its name mean something by selecting a catalog of games that are reflective of of certain qualities certain attributes uh a certain amount of thought put into it like like that appeals to me like the annapurna name is enough to get me interested in a game now and they've they've only been around what like a year or so
0: really yeah they're definitely Uh, one to watch
2: i've tried to interview them about this before and they've said that they're not they're not doing brand like they're not doing annapurna interviews they're they're only giving you interviews with the the talent behind the games themselves which on the one hand is commendable um but on the other hand i think it's sort of missing an opportunity because they could build the annapurna brand such as you know t- to the point where it would it would benefit whatever games they choose in the future by association with it and and it will to some extent as it is but like i think that's the model for making entertainment like this work, is, is attaching it to something that already has an audience of people that are looking for experiences that reflect those qualities. Hmm.
1: you're definitely onto something with uh, Annapurna there because I mean this is something which Devolver has done over the past few years in particular they started putting out stranger and stranger indie games and now if something typically has the Devolver publishing seal of approval you know that it falls at a certain wheelhouse of games and you're sort of instantly drawn to it I think if that that sort of wheelhouse of games appeals to you
2: absolutely I, I do think um Lately, it, it it seems like the Devolver brand might have uh, grown too successful for for that to to work quite as well mm-hmm. as it did before. Um, uh, and and I feel like when I see a new game with the Devolver logo on it, that that it's broader than it used to be.
1: Yes, I will I will agree with you on that.
2: But yeah, uh, for a while there, there was definitely like you know the devolver brand on a thing may absolutely made me like go to it interested and expecting a very specific thing
0: certainly easier for a publisher as well to kind of build that that range of games that as you say like appeal to a kind of a different audience or or appeal to a more thoughtful audience as you put it brendan like i kind of admire studios who say they're they're aiming for different audiences but obviously most studios particularly small and indie studios can only handle one project at a time the after finishing florence the studio i instantly thought of afterwards thinking right i can't wait for, well i obviously i can't wait to see what mountains comes up with next but i also can't wait to see what um interior night comes up with interior night's a new uk studio led by caroline marshall who i apologize if i have pronounced that wrong but she was lead designer on uh, heavy rain beyond two souls uh, you know Quantic dream games like that when they announced the studio they said like they're going to build narrative games for the breaking bad and fargo audiences i e and yes, there's a crossover of like you know the sort of people who watch Breaking Bad probably play video games as well. But equally, there's a lot of people who play watch Breaking Bad who don't play video games and don't aren't as familiar with this sort of thing. Now, obviously, like if you're building games for game platforms, you need that audience to be vaguely familiar with games. But i just I'm intrigued to see what they come up with, and other studios come up with that are not basically making titles that are here kill everything on the screen. Get to the end. Yeah, I mean, we
2: I do wish that they were using different reference points than Fargo and Breaking Bad, though. Just because I, I feel like the the games industry has used edgy uh, adult content for for so long as like its aspirational, you know, sign point North Star. It's 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 just kind of I've lost faith in people. And people that say like, oh, well, we're going to make something like Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. But hmm. for- and, and we've done multiple adaptations of Reservoir Dogs in games <laughs> right now. And the results are not, well, they're not industry shaping, I'll say.
0: No, so that's point.
2: with Florence, like, what would you think they, they were saying the reference points were for that?
0: I think it's good they, they didn't they didn't say what the reference point was but like for me it for me Florence felt like a chick flick and I don't mean that in the derogatory sense I mean that in it felt like a romance um story that appeals to a slightly different audience that my wife for example my wife loves a love story doesn't matter what genre it's in if it's a you know a subplot in a TV show or the main focus of a film she loves a love story and therefore that that's enough to get her attention in something. This felt like, and I'm trying to think of a good chick flick that I've watched and enjoyed. And Crazy Stupid Love or Amelie. Amelie, I haven't seen Amelie shamefully,
1: but like, wow, I know <laughs> that's, that's watch, watching the trailer. That it kind of of Florence. I thought this is basically Amelie the video game. <laughs> that's probably a gross, gross oversimplification, given I haven't played it. But well, you know what? Play it, it and it let us cool. know. Yeah, it was quite evocative of that that sort of Amelie um sensibility and tone. Yeah. Uh but I think to sort of to sort of Brennan's point um it's not really it doesn't it's not doesn't have a thing that it's trying to be and i guess sort of using reservoir dogs as an example when that was made that wasn't trying to be like anything else that was just trying to be reservoir dogs um and when you look at um florence you know that doesn't look like it's trying to be amelie perhaps it is sort of inadvertently has its influences or whatever but it's trying to be its own thing and that's what sets that aside and that's what sets reservoir dogs aside um and that's what sets you know the, the the really great games in the last couple of years in the indie scene that are a bit unconventional uh, that's what sets them aside because they're not trying to be the video game version of something that already exists they're trying to just be a, the best video game it can possibly be
0: and that's crucially the point is that like you haven't even played it but like, honestly give it a go because it is it is very much a game like you know going back to your point brendan about you know it, it, it borders on the discussion of what is a game this is undoubtedly a game the level of interactivity the mechanics the puzzles it is definitely a game and that kind of elevates it above above the sort of thing the, the sort of projects that have been trying to reach out to those broader audiences the for, just before christmas they um, there was a studio in the uk brought out a planet of the apes game and it was we wrote about it on the site it, it the developers themselves said the game is more aimed at the partners and um, a non gamers rather than the gamers, but then using the gamers as evangelists to get their partners involved in the story. And it is essentially a telltale style game where you're essentially watching a cutscene, and every now and then you make a cho- make a, a choice. But that is very much making it a movie and adding gameplay mechanics to it. This is very much gameplay mechanics first and building a story around a story around them.
2: I think. I'm going to disagree
0: with you there. Okay. I
2: I, I think this is, um, the story is there first, and all the gameplay mechanics are in service to the story. Like even the that toothbrushing thing I mentioned earlier is part of a series of gameplay mechanics that are that are there to sort of hammer home the mundanity of her life. Yes. At, at the, okay. At the outset of the game, she's she's going through the motions and. And, like, I'm not saying this isn't a game or anything like that. But, like, when I... It it seems almost to me the the, the really dumb parallel that I want to draw is to, like, the Final Fight Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade games of decades ago, where it's going to take you about half an hour. Uh, You're just... You're going to sit there and plow through it like it, there's not really any sort of obstacle to you completing it the difference is that instead of doing like the same you know punch punch both buttons combo again and again and again you're presented with a bunch of really simple interactions that actually give you a little bit to think about in terms of the larger point of the story but they they both seem like they're they're these totally on rails experiences you can do things a little bit differently through the mechanics, but the the story itself, the overall experience, is fundamentally unchanged every time you go through it.
0: No, you're right. That, that's a much better way of putting it. Apologies. I apologize. I'll, I'll rephrase. Like what, what I meant was, the story is not being told through cutscenes and narrative and reams of text as other projects have been the stories told through these game mechanics i meant that the game mechanics are central to yeah. the story yeah so but you've you put it a lot better than i did
2: when in doubt reference ninja turtles arcade game
0: yes that is not a comparison i would have expected us to bring up in this conversation but it does work um i guess I, what i also like is like I, think I this also stems from the fact that it's such a short game as you say it's only half an hour it Is there's no repetition. As you say, with with a final fight on Ninja Turtles an arcade game, like yeah, you're just constantly mashing the same punch kick, punch kick, combos and so forth. And what you do to progress from A to B, or yeah, from start to finish, doesn't differ you know, differ much. This like every I'd say ten seconds, you'll be give, you're being given a completely different mechanic, even if it's one updated from earlier in the game. It's a
2: completely yeah, different I'm... It's a Those few mechanics that are repeated they're they're done in a in a different way and in that different way has meaning every time absolutely so it winds up being just a, a much more engaging uh experience where you're where you're actually thinking about it as you go through it instead of sitting there saying oh my gosh i gotta do this sequence again
0: yeah it's almost as if it's it's a WarioWare game but with a point yep Put that on the box. Put that on the box. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, do we want to see developers build on this? And I'm not saying just build Florence clones and and do this, but but rinse, lather, repeat. Like how how would we want to see people take the idea of telling a story and a non-traditional game story, like so one that is not around conflict and using mechanics to do that? Do we want to see more indies doing that? Do we want to see more bigger publishers do that?
2: Absolutely,
0: well, I think, I think um, probably the best best point of comparison
1: um, would be "Bury Me My Love" by the Pixel Hunt, um, which for those of you who don't know is the uh, the as the story of a Syrian refu- refugee traveling to Europe told through WhatsApp messages, and it's it's based on an actual WhatsApp conversation that was published in a French newspaper. And that's, you, you take the role of the husband who remains home in Syria and you're just messaging your wife over WhatsApp and just trying to sort of, you know, give her advice and guidance as she travels to Europe to try and seek um, asylum in, I think I think she's aiming for Germany. And that can end out in a lot of different ways. When I played, I think I ended up in some like, in um, refugee camp in like uh, Southeastern Europe somewhere and it was all a bit bleak. Um, but that's a really... Uh, you know quite a unique way of presenting a game as it is just it's more of a i guess it's more of like a conversation sim than it is a game but you know it i'd say it ultimately is a video game and that's that's the sort of thing which um i would love to see more game developers do and which mobile is absolutely the perfect platform for
0: you say that there's a lot of i think they're referred to as chat fiction games and um, i think mm. that's the term i've seen floating around like more there's a lot of mobile games now that are simulating a text conversation um and all right yeah, obviously nothing as as beautiful and poignant as Bury Me My Love but you know I've, I've played a couple where you're getting messaged by a kidnapper and you're trying to work out why you know what they've done there's the Accidental Queens a French studio they've done the Another Lost Phone games or the you know Allot, uh, yeah. um, which are about you, know, you you're browsing through someone's phone to try and work out what happened to them um there's even like, you know, like the Lifeline games by three minute games. That's a kind of a it's not a, not essentially a, a phone conversation because it's, it, it's a different kind of interface. But it is essentially someone messaging you and saying, hey, what do you think I should do? And you tell them and they say, right, back in half an hour. And sure enough, half an hour real world time passes and they message mm. you back. So there are a lot of people experimenting with that, that format. The problem is uh, the quality can vary. Um, wildly, I'm not going to name and shame any, but I have played some truly awful, awful games in that that uh, <laughs> that genre. Um, just where the the writing itself is bad. But again, this is my point: like those games, they come. It's not the mechanics that that drive you forward. It's it's the writing and the story and the and the dialogue. And that's not necessarily a, a facet of storytelling that's unique to games. Florence, mm. you could not have done in any other medium, the way that mm. the way that it is done, the way that it gets its points across, you could not do in any other medium. Whereas Bury Me My Love, all right, it wouldn't be quite as interactive and you, you wouldn't be able to, to, you could have done it as a choose your own adventure book, ultimately. I suppose that's ultimately what it is. It is essentially a digital choose
1: your own adventure book. Um, But again, it has the very important thing of being, um, well, it's not quite real time, but it's sort of pseudo real time. So there will be periods where you don't hear from your partner for a few days and they can be genuinely quite nerve wracking. I remember I was checking my phone. like I haven't, I haven't had a message for a few hours. I hope everything's okay. And then, you know, you get sent a photo of her face and she's been beaten up or something. And it's like, it really, it's, you know, it's quite a gut punch. It's done really effectively um so i suppose you're right in that respect it is it's not perhaps unique to games but i think it is definitely games have a very distinct edge when it comes to these things because you know the digital technology we can use to actually enhance and improve the experience above something like just to choose your own adventure book
2: the one thing about these uh sorts of games it's it's interesting to me hayden that, that you're talking about the very my love as as really engaging and, and how it um but it, it takes, like, hours or even days between uh, points where it sort of advances the plot on you. And, like, th- this is totally just personal preference. Um, but I, I do not like to be ambushed by my <laughs> media entertainment. Like, when I'm not... Re- I like, I like the, uh, the Florence approach where it's like, we're going to take up about half an hour of your time you're going to sit here and you're going to think about it for that half an hour afterwards. You'll come back to it, turn it over in your head and, you know, try and pick it apart for more meaning. But the actual consumption experience is like, get, get yourself in the mindset. We're going to take up some of your time. Not, not a lot. I think Florence is very respectful of your time. Cause that, if you were going to do it as a movie without the interactive elements, it could be a two hour movie quite easily. Um, and, and, like, that, I think, is actually a really interesting question for the future of this sort of stuff in, in games, is, like, what sort of format will kind of shake out as, as the viable way, or the, the most viable ways of telling stories uh, through through games? Like, will it be a, you know, you commit to it for, for this period of time, uh, or will it be a stretched-out, interspersed with a million other things in your life sort of ongoing
0: commitment
1: i'd like to say i think the the truly beautiful thing about games is that it doesn't actually ever need to commit to one set way of telling a story, unlike a book or a film. Um, it can experiment with these different ways, like you say, of having a nice condensed half an hour to an hour or a scattershot approach over the course of you know a week or two even. Um, and that's actually a strength of games. And I like say, perhaps it doesn't necessarily fit everyone's uh, lifestyle and everything, but I think it would be almost a shame to see the sort of bury me, my love approach get subsumed and completely replaced by a more conventional means of conveying a story
0: to your point Brendan as well about the the time the time that Florence takes up I, I love the fact that and I don't know why I would expect it to be any other way you know any other way but I love the fact that you can dip in and out if you want to like yeah you can sit down and do it in half an hour in one go and that must be an amazing experience but the time I was playing it I was home alone with my child and really kind of had to pay attention to him <laughs> <laughs> because I'm a responsible parent that doesn't neglect my child completely, um, but but my dad it was, was
2: half an hour, James. Neighbor,
0: he was fine. He was fine. <laughs> but no, you just honestly, genuinely, I think I've got about two acts into the game it's about five six acts I got two acts into the game and then you know he'd wandered out of the room and you hear a bump and a scream and it's all right I'll turn this off and I'll go find him but I did I was able to come back and forth to it and I think I did it in about two maybe three sittings throughout the day so I'd still got it done in the one day and that to me is respectful of your time in that I didn't have to restart I never had to um kind of go back a ways and then get back to the point where I was Whereas some of the more you know some of the traditional games, and albeit you know for completely different platforms, completely different format, but I'm thinking of things like simple things like I, I remember playing the original Metal Gear Solid, or rather the the Twin Twin Snakes remake. I remember sitting down thinking, right, I'm up to the end. I'm just gonna play the last you know the the last battle, and then I'll and then I'll go to bed. And an hour and a half later, I um I went to bed, and I looked back at that hour and a half, and I thought, right, hang on. Had a five-minute boss fight and a ten-minute well, ten boss fight and a five-minute car chase. What the hell have I been doing for an hour and a half? And it's because <laughs> you're watching those cutscenes that you just cannot escape. And that is that is gripping your time and not letting go. It's like no, you will sit down and watch this. And obviously Florence didn't do that. And I don't think you could with a mobile game. But I'm hoping that as, as these sort of things go to like PC and console and so forth, I'm hoping that developers don't just demand that you sit down and do not move because unfortunately life gets in the way.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I wonder if that's perhaps just more of a sensibility of, um, Japanese games in general, the sort of keeping you there and sticky there. Um, you know, like modern final fantasy games tend to be very much hours of waiting, going through, you know, trawling through cutscenes and mini games and stuff like that. Um, I recently finished playing Danganronpa, the first one, and I was at the very, very end I thought, I'll finish this before going to bed. And it was about two and a half hours of just more cutscenes, scenes. <laughs> and it really did drag on for quite a while.
2: Now I'm trying to think of Western games that that aren't of the here's a checkpoint every five seconds because if you lose any progress at all, you're going to walk away and never come back.
1: Uh, that would be Mass Effect 1, I think. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking BioWare
2: cause... might be the, uh, the the biggest possibility of that, but... Yeah no, I
0: think any of the kind of Metroidvania games as well like they they kind of demand that no you will play this up and like you know the the checkpoints are so sparsely populated like you will play this up until a certain point um but like, I I'm, I guess those are Japanese yeah you know, descended as well like even even Metroid Prime you're right, it was a western developer but it's Japanese property um but we have we have veered from the point somewhat yes <laughs> so, <laughs> somewhat um I mean, do you guys have anything to add on, on on kind of you know games that that are reaching out for a different audience, are trying something different? I, I, I'm, one point I'm going to make is that I, I'm hearing a lot of developers recently say um, they're talking about the different verbs in games. Like, and the t- traditional verbs in games are you're going to run, jump, shoot, kill, hack, attack, etc and a lot of people a lot of developers I've, I've i've seen are talking about like you know different you know talking about different verbs like so two examples i'll give is um Hideo Kojima going back to the Metal Gear Solid connection um Death Stranding he's insisted this is going to be about the how did he put it the string and not the stick um in that mankind uses the str- the stick to to beat things and to to attack things and the string to connect things now nothing in the Death Stranding trailers has conveyed what that means but then nothing in the Death Stranding trailers have conveyed what any of it means um, and the other example I spoke to Chet Falizek the former Valve writer um, before Christmas and it was talking about his his first project at Bossa Studios and he was talking about um, building a kind of an AI driven shooter where yes you can go around and attack people but also you can befriend people and get people to trust you and that's. And I'm intrigued to see how that project and how Death Stranding come across and see what they mean because we're seeing a lot of people talking about verbs I want, I'm looking forward to seeing what they mean by that when their games actually come out
1: Hmm, I think um, Undertale is perhaps the best living example of a game that does that um, because I don't know if either of you have played Undertale I haven't, no so it's um it's presented in a very it's it's essentially like a almost spiritual successor to Earthbound and Mother series and all of that and it's presented in quite a typical JRPG turn-based combat style but um actually you don't have to kill any of the enemies you can make friends with them um, and use use that as a means to overcome challenges so you know you can like there'll be a dog wearing full suit of armor and you play fetch with it. Um, until it like gets out of its armor and becomes friends with you, so, you know, li- little things like that. And it is all about overcoming these sort of typical challenges where normally you'd have to like beat, stab, and shoot your way through um, by sort of you know engaging in dialogue or play or something you know lovely and saccharine and family friendly. Mm. Um, and I think that's Undertale is, is definitely the best sort of example of a game that has done that recently. And it's it's interesting to see that bigger studios are considering that as an approach. Um, I suppose you see that's, it with games.
2: That's the thing, though. Like, the, the bigger studios, uh, a lot of smart people working at them, and they'll, they'll talk a good game about, you know, changing up the verbs that, that the industry has been using and has been built on for, for decades. But they're ultimately, it's, they're so invested. You know, it's so expensive to make the games they're making. They they can't afford to take that risk of doing something Too so given, completely unconventional. Yeah. So, so they absolutely like we're we're seeing people. We've been seeing people uh, experiment with the non traditional verbs and different gameplay interactions for for years. But it's always been from you know the the independent scene is mm. is where you get them. So it's the Florence is the world that that use brush teeth. And unpack box of stuff as you know your verbs and like the the, the death strandings of the world like Metal Gear Solid Five the the verb innovation there was like what balloon someone full, full yeah. <laughs> device? yeah yeah okay that wasn't I think that was in Peace Walker before that but still like as that was a lot of fun and that doesn't mean that you know Metal Gear Solid Five is a bad game at all just because it was so firmly grounded on stealth um you know shooting people and sneaking up and close quarters combat and all that that's that's fine it's just if you're looking for the the real industry shaping innovation it's not going to come from that that triple a market no matter how celebrated uh the auteur behind it might be
1: I think you're um, absolutely right and that's been demonstrated with how we've got stories um, sorry, games that have a bit more of a you know, bigger games you know, triple A games that do have that more narrative focus which I think has come out of um, the indie scene over the last sort of 10 years and i think they're still they're not experimenting as much as the indie scene is but i think they are learning the lessons from it they are learning that people do want more narrative focused games they do want slightly more alternative games and it's giving them perhaps just a bit more of a scope slowly gradually to kind of experiment within the triple a scene a little bit
2: anytime they can point to something and say look these people tried this and it worked mm. that takes away some of the risk of doing it in their own triple a game
0: definitely absolutely and florence worked so hopefully we'll see um, (laughs) people taking inspiration from that um
2: there's there's another danger to this is that you'll wind up with like the the call of duty press f to pay respects yes
0: (laughs) that is true so
2: i guess we want them to take lessons from florence but kind of like be careful about the ones that you take
0: We did interview Ken Wong ahead of um, Florence's release. It was actually just after they announced it. So um, you can find that on the site. I'll link it in the, the post with this episode. Uh, unless you guys have got anything to add, I think we should uh, wrap it up there. No, I think that's everything.
2: I've said everything I have to say. <laughs>
0: I've probably said more than I have to say, honestly. <laughs> well, I'd be intrigued to see what uh, what our listeners think and you know, where they think the industry is going to go um, from here it, you know, not, not, not that Florence is going to change the entire industry but what lessons are going to be learned and what inspiration is going to be taken um, feel free to comment under the, the post where this article is uh, if not send us in an email um, send it to me in fact james.bachelor at gamesindustry.biz in the meantime you can find all your news, analysis and insight into the world behind video games at www.gamesindustry.biz